Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Real spoilers powered by ReviewSTL.com. Warning, the following film discussion will ruin the ending of any movie you haven't seen. Example, Bruce Willis is dead at the end of The Sixth Sense. See how I ruined it for you? Just like that. Here are a few more. Silent Breed is people! I am the father. Get it? Real spoilers. You've been warned. Broadcasting from the Lush But Not Lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Film Snarkitude, this is Real Spoilers, episode 386, Hereditary. And if there's anything I've learned while researching this film mm-hmm. it's that i cannot spell hereditary for the life of <laughs> do you want to keep putting heredity in i can I, I, I add an i where there shouldn't be an i or i totally forget the e and i'm googling hereditary like i just like <laughs> i cannot spell this damn movie to save my life when i was trying to tell people when i first saw it when i was looking up things about it and trying to tell people about it i always got caught up because i wanted to say heredity yeah and, like you said it earlier and i was like, eh. I, who do you? <laughs> yeah, to me, and I was just—I let it go. Oh, it's just—I don't <laughs> oh, know. We, we, th- th- this is real spoilers. You never let Kevin's errors go. Yeah, like, you, if I've learned anything yeah. on almost four hundred episodes, is they <laughs> it's like, not let. Them. It's like you just keep hammering away at them. You know who taught us that? Josh Brolin. Yeah, yeah. I've heard the story. <laughs> so, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so, because heredity is a real word, and it is yeah. genetics being passed down, and it's like I'm. It's pretty much the same thing as far as I'm concerned. So, the definition of heredity is the passing on of a physical or mental characteristic genetically from one generation to another. When you go to hereditary, and I'm gonna have to type in. It's definition, more of like a an adjective, like a hereditary disease, right? Hereditary. The characteristic or disease determined by genetic factors and therefore yeah. able to be passed on from parents to their offspring or descendants. Yeah, I it's kind of like conjugation of a verb or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I don't. So, but it also there's there are a lot of different meanings, and we'll get into it. And there are a lot of different interpretations of the title. It's yeah. not one of those things where in a movie you either have someone says it or you get it in the end where you're like, oh, that's why it's called that. And that's what I really like about this movie is you can argue a couple different sides, maybe a few, and it's like you really can't say, oh, no, this is it and you're wrong or no, this is def- you know the definitive sure. answer. And so, yeah, I like that when you have to think about it and you can talk about it and still in the end you're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is it, but, I mean, it could be 
something yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we dig in too much, we should probably go around the table and everyone can introduce themselves. This is Brad. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. Don't forget, we're available on iTunes. You can go there, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash real spoilers. While you're there, join the League of Show Sharers. Also, don't forget, if you just can't get enough of us, uh, you can get bonus content by kicking in at patreon.com slash real spoilers so there all that's been taken care of uh, let's dig into hereditary yeah we finally do a big horror movie and joe's not here isn't that the way <laughs> oh, but he also missed guardians of the Guardi- galaxy yeah. <laughs> i was bummed when you said he wasn't gonna be here yeah sometimes it's the way. and dan's a horror guy too yeah like of the four of the regulars, Tom and I are not horror guys. You know, not that I won't watch them, obviously, but it's like me and Tom don't sit around watching horror movies nonstop. Yeah. And it's like Dan and Joe love horror movies. Yeah. Joey's been so, counting down the Halloween trailer. Like, oh yeah. my yeah. god! Been, Do you think he's into, excited for that one? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> it's like, and it was really funny. Did you see on Facebook where he watched the trailer? He's like, "Oh my god, they did it!" And I'm like. <laughs> And I quoted him, and it was like, after Man of Steel trailer. Like, nothing... But it's like, they could make a really good trailer. Like, right, I'm not yeah. getting my hopes up. And yeah. Joe's hopes are so high for it, and he's so amped up for it. Like, I just don't want him well, to... And, but they're ignoring all the other... Ho- this is, from a storytelling standpoint, this one is really like Halloween 2, Is right? it a direct sequel? I think it ignores all the other Halloween movies, even Halloween 2. Wow. I Three, I get. Three, you know, because <laughs> well, it's not... Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, was, and I think H two O ignored some of yeah, the Halloween movies. Yeah, because someone died previously in that yeah. one. But then they were. Yeah. But um, but this, from what I understand, from the little bit I've read, ignores everything. So Jason Weesey brought up a good point. And at first, I was like, like I get it when there's reboots and they use the same name because they're rebooting it, whatever. Right. But what's interesting is that this movie is not a reboot or a remake. It's a sequel. It has the same characters older, like Jamie Lee Curtis's character. So it's a sequel to Halloween. The sequel to Halloween is called Halloween. Like that's that is confusing, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. I didn't realize they actually called it Halloween. That there's yeah. no like right subtitle no. or this movie's called Halloween. And so you know, yeah, for a remake or reboot, sure you call it that, and it still keeps with the same you know same franchise, obviously. And sure. um, yeah, that's just interesting. Like you know how do you let me search for halloween you know and then you got to pick the year or if you ask someone which i know you don't go to video stores but it's like you know i want halloween it's i don't know it's just an interesting yeah do you want the 1970s one right. the rob zombie one or the 2018 right? because one? that's the yeah. thing there's already a reboot <laughs> with the name halloween yeah. so there's a halloween the original halloween the reboot and then halloween the sequel to the original and don't forget like the eight sequels well, to, right. to the yeah, yeah. so <laughs> it's interesting so many halloween movies but so this movie and we we hinted at it in the box office report but this movie is not what i would call a typical horror movie it, right. it doesn't follow the same formula i mean it's very far off from a typical horror movie formula uh it's a very slow burn slow build uh it reminds me of a lot of the really great ones that we've seen that are original lately like as far as pacing goes like it comes at night very quiet very slow but but disturbing um uh, uh, move older movies like rosemary's baby right uh, movies that are just and we should probably like say up front this movie has kind of a uh shock ending that we're just going to spoil right out of the gate so if you're the sort of person that listens to this before you see the movie this is one that you might not want to do that with if you have any desire to see this yeah, movie yeah i agree you can't even it's not even going to play out throughout the episode because we're going to just spoil it up front right the reason we do that is because two-thirds of this film really are like a family drama um if you didn't have if they changed the the act three in this movie you know if you had a different outcome 
that that didn't get into creepy or scary quote unquote territory. It's like you could really leave this as just like a, a you know a stage play, a, just a you know yeah. drama dramatic piece or and, about mental illness yeah. or something. And, yeah. and you yeah. could end it without any of those quote unquote scary parts and question like, oh, was this really or did they really? You right. know? And and it really works on its own to where. And, and this is one reason why I think this is a superior film to a lot of the horror movies we get because it doesn't rely on cheap tricks, right? So no jump scares, uh, you know, a lot of horror movies. And if you like this type, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but I do not like the type where they just, they close a mirror and there's nothing there, but they go rant and try yeah. to scare. Yeah. It's like, there's nothing <laughs> scary about it, but yeah. they put a loud noise and like your Oh, instinct, it was a cat. Yeah. But yeah, you're yeah. physically like your body, like it's human nature. That's the way you're built. Like if you get a loud noise right after silence, you're gonna jump. Like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, congratulations, filmmaker, you triggered a reflex. Right, like it's <laughs> not scary. Like it's yeah. not scary. You quote unquote. It's you didn't accomplish anything as an artist. Like yeah. it's like yeah. yes, human beings are hardwired to react. Well, yeah. To that. yeah, what like, they managed to do here though is it's so gets you feeling so unsettled. Like through these just imagery of like right. you know without cheap scenes, tricks without cheap tricks and like you'd just be looking at the scene and then realize there's something there yeah. that's so unsettling and then it plays out and uh, yeah I loved yeah. it yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you compared it to Rosemary's Baby and which is pretty hard to get to the end of this movie and not compare it to Rosemary's yeah. Baby but I would also say even throughout it's 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 got that kind of 70s horror movie vibe of like a lot of the 70s horror movies, even if they had a supernatural element, there was still this kind of grounding in reality uh, yeah. and this whole kind of almost uh, conspiratorial aspect to it of like there's this whole other world taking place in front of you that you don't even know about. And you see that in movies like Rosemary's Baby or The Omen or The Exorcist where like they have those people remember key super scary scenes from the exorcist or the omen but, but it's really a long movie but it's it. but it's a slow build yeah. to get there and the reason you remember those scenes is because they put in the work on the build they didn't just throw a bunch of scary stuff at you yeah it pays off and this movie does exactly that so i i think this is you know in the top tier of of modern horror movies i really love what they do with this one um it's like they earn the payoff in act three which is just bananas crazy (laughs) but you know that's the thing so no cheap jump scares they're not tricking you into being scared they're doing it by just the imagery they're putting it right in front of you it's a you know a creepy setting it revolves around death around this mystery and it's like that what they do in multiple scenes is they make you almost want to rub your eyes because like in scenes in the dark you're like is someone standing there right and i think we've all had those moments where you know if you wake up in the dark and something casts a shadow and you're like what, what the hell is that yeah and so they do that in the theater where you're like is it is it not and you know do i you know adjust your focus on your yeah. eyeballs like um and so yeah i really love that they do this by making a very creepy unsettling movie which see i was going and expecting a scary movie because it's marketing, I get it, but they were touting this as one of the scariest movies ever. And people right. saying, I was so scared. I do not think this movie was scary at all. I, and I, I'm not saying that to be tough or anything. It's not a scary movie. I, it's a disturbing movie. And like yeah. I said in the box office report, I think it it was scary. I think originally, the I think the people who saw this movie first, they saw it at, at, on the festival circuit. They saw it at Sundance. And I don't think they walked in knowing they were going to see a quote-unquote scary movie. And so I think they got drawn into the film... I, yeah. I think sometimes if you know you're seeing a scary movie, you kind of keep it at arm's distance. Sure. Yeah. You know, and I think if you went into this movie not knowing it's a horror movie, 
it, you would get drawn in in a way that when it turned into that, it would freak you out yeah. in a way that if you want, walked in saying this is a horror movie, you know to kind of keep a certain sure. remove that yeah, I kept I kept waiting for it. So like knowing yeah. that this was quote unquote one of the scariest movies of all time or of recent, like every moment where a typical movie would put a jump scare, every single time I was waiting for it, I knew to expect it and then they just never came. The jump yeah. scares never came and I loved it because I'm like, "Oh, it's all uh, you know, it's all being built up by yourself. Like if you find creepy you know shadows and shapes and figures in the darkness and like if you stress yourself out or get scared by that then yes it's scary to you but each person's going to perceive it differently based on just their thoughts and on this imagery and i just love that that the movie you know inspires you to feel a certain way but doesn't force you to feel that way yeah i like uh and i've said this many times before i like horror movies that more are scary with mood blair witch i think that first blair witch movie is amazing and i know a lot of people are disappointed with the ending because they wanted some big crazy shock reveal but uh to me it it ends on a bleak note that's way scarier than anything they could have actually done done to you that that mo- that first Blair Witch is terrifying and yeah, especially the the marketing and the viral stuff before uh, viral existed yeah like, that that movie was crazy the way they did that but seeing the movie I saw it in the theaters in 1999 and you know and I was very young but I mean I was scared then and I've rewatched it again and just you know knowing what happens I'm not as scared but still like I'm like this is a creepy movie yeah. like yeah and, and, and yeah it's just a perfect not won't say perfect storm because it's all good the way they did it but being filmed that way having un knowns and just it it feels so real um it was amazing but yeah i agree so to talk about this movie and to really spoil it properly we have to talk about all the events in the first two acts which culminate in the and explain things that happen in act three and so that's why we have to spoil the ending so uh and we've already compared this movie to rosemary's baby which i think was like 1968 or 69 like it's i think the book was uh I think the movie was 1969. So it, you're talking about a... Uh, yeah, it was 68. I didn't realize it was that 68. old. 68, okay, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about a movie that... So is that almost 50 years old? 2018? Exactly 50 years old. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I would guess it came out in October, November. So like, yeah. 50... I mean, it's also w- weird to think, like, when that movie is huge at the box office, like, on TV, you're watching things like The Flying Nun. Yeah. That's... yeah I mean, that's how old it is yeah so So, also keep in mind i'm a a big believer too of like kind of taking things in historical context Mm -hmm. normally i mean that like you know the movies from 1930s you kind of have to ignore some of the racist stuff if you want to enjoy it but a movie like rosemary's baby you take in historical context it's like imagine going to see that movie at the same time when like you know other things at the box office would have been like what sound of music yeah you know what i mean and then you walk into rosemary's baby (laughs) sweet baby jesus no pun intended (laughs) like that would like can you imagine how mind-blowing that movie must have been for people back then i watched it you know fairly recently like i did not see rosemary's baby for a long time i mean i'll just put her I, I hate roman blansky but that's one of those movies where it's like it's so good and as much as i hate him as a person it's like yeah. that in chinatown like the movies are so good i don't want to like support him or like you know it's, it's him directing it but yeah anyway um that movie is amazing and it does it, it felt so similar to this movie there definitely has to be a love or an inspiration from that because you're building up these characters and there's 
nothing really scary or supernatural about them. You're learning about a couple, you know, in this movie, it's a family, but you go through and you just learn these characters. And so the ending, it's so deserving of the reaction and the surprise because you've gotten to know these people and you care about them and you're following their lives. And it's the same way I felt about this entire family. Yeah. Like they're going through so much trauma and so much death and everything that it's like, yeah, I, I feel for them. And so right now, if, if you haven't, if you don't want spoilers, like legit spoilers right up front, we're, we're going to spoil probably Rosemary's Baby when we talk about it and this movie, certainly. But the third act of this movie, after all the, you know, creepy tension building there is, um, their lives are basically being orchestrated and manipulated by a cult. Yeah. So that's that's and where- and, and not a cult like uh, like uh, the Hellbop Comet people or whatever, yeah, right. a cult like they are they they are legit summoning satan yeah a demonic satan yeah. worshiping and it's not satan but it's a like demon king, worship, right king right. of hell so pyman right. so in this so there are books and you know i looked up on wikipedia and research there are people that actually you know people that believe in i guess you call it the occult uh, you know people believe in this stuff and so th- this is really a one of these demonic figures and uh in this movie they describe pyman as one of the eight demons or kings of hell Okay. One of the eight kings of hell. And so what ends up happening is their lives, you know, you question whether or not there's actually supernatural creepy stuff going on or is this in their heads? Is, is there a does hereditary mean there's some history of mental illness that's being passed down generation to generation? Um, but in the end, well, also royalty would be passed down hereditary. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's a bloodline thing. Right. And so this it, is all about uh, the this king of hell, Pyman, possessing, you know, uh, one of these family members. And that's, right. that's the goal of it. So uh, we find out in the beginning of the movie. So it, it starts right off with the death of the grandmother. Her name's right. Ellen. And I think she's like 78 years old and, and she dies. And so there, the family is at the funeral. So the cast of characters. So you have the mom, Annie, played by Tony Collette, which if she doesn't get a, a best actor, best <laughs> yeah. actress nomination for this movie. I feel like this is a movie that supersedes any of the stigma around horror. It rises you know, above the genre. This, I mean, yeah. her performance in this movie is masterful. It is amazing. Her, the emotions and, and, and her body language. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. So, uh, Tony Clett is the mother. Uh, the father is, Oh, what's his name? Gabriel Byrne. Gabriel Byrne. Yep. Uh, which I kind of have a question about his accent. Is he supposed to have an accent or does accent I think keep slipping was, through? I think it was sneaking through. Cause okay. I, cause I felt like most of the time he didn't, but every once in a while I, I find that actors a lot of times have a hard time maintaining accents on, on really short lines. Okay. Or if they only have like one word of dialogue, right, you can't get in the groove of it. Right. So you're just delivering. It's yeah. hard to just say Hello. Or whatever, or like you know, like without right. your accent. And you know? how many takes are they going to do for? Right. Like, I, I guess they just kind of like. And yeah. I think also sometimes when you're getting those takes, you you forget sure. that if you're like the the, the director because they're they probably it it's probably lesser than how he normally talks, sure. but it's still there. And so in the moment, it it's seems prob- like he's losing it because right. you talk to him, and it's like, oh wow, that's. But that's, then when you see it butted yeah. up against sure. him, really not having an accent or having a different sure. accent ultimately and and, yeah. and what we're talking about does not ruin the movie i only ask because in a movie like this you're trying to pick apart plot points lineage There's you know so is, this movie so densely packed with elements that you you ha- you have to ask yourself like is that a filmmaker's yes. choice or is that just a kind of a whoops is he from a different country which therefore means something else so anyway i yeah. will just write it off as just slipping through a little bit uh so yeah so you have the mother you have the father and you have the two kids so um alex wolf <laughs> who's also amazing in this movie he's 
the kid that was in Patriots Day as the younger brother, the bomber in Patriots Day. I didn't Day. see it. Okay, you, it's such. I've a heard good movie. great things. Yeah. I just haven't seen it. Uh, but you know, I I have one complaint about him. Okay, is I thought he was a really bad crier. Yeah, the scenes where the time he, where he hugs his dad—that's the that, one I think. That, that I was just like, he had cried oh, earlier, well, 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 and like, it was pretty, and it was like kind of bad. But when he yeah. hugs his dad and cries, it was just like, I know this it's, is really at, bad. At the screener, it didn't get a reaction, but at the at the Friday night when I saw it again, there was a lot of. It's hard not to because it's a such lot of a laughing. It's like baby. <laughs> not, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's but like I yeah. will say, I will say this though. I will forgive. I will forgive him for that because of. Much like Jennifer Lawrence in Mother, the camera on his face and seeing his emotions, seeing that him final tear, shot, yeah, halfway through the movie, the turning point of the tone yeah. of this movie, when you are literally just looking at his face and hearing what's happening around him, like, yeah. that's some damn yeah. good acting. So, absolutely, yeah. like he, like I said, and cry, I think crying is one of the hardest things for an actor. I think doubly so for men, sure, because men aren't i mean we aren't socialized to cry in the yeah. same way that women are and so i think it's really hard for a man to cry on screen and have it be believable or not have it elicit laughter yeah. inappropriate laughter from yeah. a crowd. or it's like with crying it's like how do you how do you make it believable which means you put energy and emotion to it without overdoing it it's yeah. just very hard yeah and honestly if you think about it now that i think about it like most when you see most men cry on screen they they'll tear up, but you don't normally hear noises. Hysterics, yeah, you like, know, yeah. So it's 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 hard to it's yeah. hard to say. But anyway, it, he's amazing in this movie. So he he played uh, the younger bomber in Patriots Day. That was about the Boston Marathon bombing, and then he also is the main kid in Jumanji that grows to be the Rock in the game. So it's like, this, oh, okay. This I didn't kid, realize he was. I, did, I didn't realize. Yeah. I didn't catch that either. Yeah. Yeah. I kept confusing him with his brother, who was in Death Note. Okay. Like, so when at the end, I was like, wait, that's that's now. Yeah. It took me a it. second to click in, but it's like, yeah, it's he's that kid because I remember when he showed up in Jumanji. I'm like, I like him so much in this movie, and I didn't realize he was in Patriots Day. And I'm like, oh, like he's a good actor, but I'm like, oh, I hate that. <laughs> You're like real life. But he hates America. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He really is Satan. Yeah. But this kid's twenty. <laughs> this kid's twenty years old. He wow. Already, he already has like. Of course, a lot of them are minor, but he already has like 20 or 30 credits, you know, and he puts in a performance like this and probably like his number three most biggest movie that he's been in. And it's like this kid's going to be around for a long time. I didn't realize he was so young. I thought he was playing down quite a bit, but he's 20 years old. And so that also makes me wonder, like, so I couldn't I wasn't sure when I was watching the movie. It was college or high school. No, like he's a different ethnicity than his parents that that's the other reason why i was asking like about lineage and gabriel yeah. Byrne because i couldn't figure it out because he looks to me that he is like a asian he, he looks like he could be gabriel Byrne's son just he's got darker skin yeah he's got a darker complexion yeah. but like and so i was having that moment too like is this kid a Adopted, like they never. If they, if there was a line that addressed that, no, I missed it. He wasn't it, adopted. See, in my mind, yeah, and yeah, because it does have to do with bloodlines and lineage. Right. Like it wouldn't work if he was. But in my mind, throughout the movie, before I finished it, I went, "Oh, he must be adopted." So that was the only thing that was a little jarring. Yeah. I mean, nothing bad about him as a person, or I, we're not. You know, he's a great actor, but when you're supposed to believe things that are about that directly have to do with bloodlines, the movie's called hereditary. Right. Yeah. Then you have to ask yourself like, but he looks different. So is that a, a is that supposed to choice? mean something too? Like, yeah. yeah, it's a fair, it's a fair question. And real quick, just so that we can understand. So Alex Wolf, 
uh, born November 1997. Um, he first gained recognition for starring alongside his older brother, Nat, in a Nickelodeon musical. Yeah, so he was in the Naked Brothers Band. Like, geez, this kid's gone a far away from a Nickelodeon, <laughs> the Naked Brothers Band, to Hereditary. So, first of all, if that doesn't show his range. That's funny. That's like the movie stars one of the Jonas Brothers. Right, it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so his father is Jewish, his mother is Christian. Uh, I'm trying to find some kind of a lineage. Yeah, I see that doesn't tell us anything about his no his ethnicity. They, I'm looking on Wikipedia. I just I, so I really don't have an answer, but he does look like he. Well, and I I assume he must have some sort of Middle Eastern lineage if he was playing one of the bombers right. in Patriots Day. Because that's why they. Cast I would. Him. I can't it, imagine they would ca- cast a white, a white guy, guy to play that, the, Yeah, you know exactly. So I, I guess they you just chalk it up to he's a great actor. And, yeah. Um, it's just hard to when you're in a movie where it's about it's called like yes, you said it's again, called hereditary. Yeah, it's not like a racist <laughs> thing. It's not like you know whatever. It's it's like, but you're dissecting every right. single thing about. It. So anyway, um, yeah, that's a good question. But anyway, amazing performance by him. And then you have newcomer Millie Shapiro as Charlie, the the youngest uh, sibling or the youngest child, the daughter, the daughter. So you've got mother, father, son, daughter. Pretty typical, you know, yeah, family uh, unit here. Uh, but so they're at the funeral, and uh, the the grandmother's died. The mother Annie gives a really weird eulogy, like like as yeah. in you, you know you're not expecting it before you know the character because you know it's like oh her mom just died, but she's like you can tell there's a lot of distance between the two right, of them, yeah. and and uh, and but she says something like she she says you know there's a lot of strangers here. She would be kind of paranoid about that, or suspicious about that because she didn't know her mother to have a whole lot of friends. So our our first clue is that that eulogy, the fact that I mean we know that her and her mother obviously were not on the best terms, but you also know that all these people at this funeral that showed up, the mother doesn't even know, Annie doesn't know them, and so right, it's very yeah. very interesting to to see this group of people. Um, the first thing that creeped me out before this movie even gets into creepy territory was this random guy smiles smiles creepily at charlie, at charlie yeah. while she's and they're at, at, the at, body. at grandma's funeral right and so th- that's the first thing where you're like this has to mean something that was too weird and and uncomfortable of a scene yeah to, to see this guy you know smiling like that so very off-putting uh but but so we know that there's a lot of strangers uh th- we know that annie and ellen did not get along um and then they and then when they're when charlie's looking at the body she's eating like a hershey's bar which some of those have almonds or nuts in them. Right. And so the dad asks her, that doesn't have almonds in it, right? And so we know that she has some kind of nut allergy. Right. Um, Which means she should be allergic to this whole damn family. (laughs) (laughs) Zing. Well played. (laughs) So anyway, uh, so so yeah, so we're just kind of learning that, that, yeah, something very weird is going on around Ellen and and what she was into. Um, And so what we find out later on as in the third act, when things start going bananas, is that a lot of these people that were at the funeral were actually members of the cult. And so that's why they were there. That's why... And he didn't know them and you start seeing them pop up and 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 like smiling guy i think one of the creepiest imageries in this entire movie is when he's naked in the closet or the hallway smiling at yeah. it like that was so it, yeah that was so disturbing and so that's why they set it up like that with that weird creepy smile because it gets a lot creepier later and so yeah the reason like, i caught that the second time and I, I was kind of sad that i didn't catch it the first time was i i feel like the projectors at at amc have been a lot darker. Oh, it was too dark at the Esquire so, okay. than than in a lot of showings that I've seen lately. But when I went over to Ronnie's 
this past Friday, everything was a lot brighter, and I was that's when I was able to tell, oh, that's that guy. That's why that guy smiled at the beginning of the movie because mm-hmm. I had forgotten about that. Yeah, that was yeah, that's the direct correlation where yeah. you're like you're creeped out by it, but you're like, okay, maybe he's just like a weird older guy, that, like just trying to smile and be nice to a kid. Right. But it was but definitely that's not a smile. No, it was like, like, like a was, pedo <laughs> vibe. Like yes. the, it was it was supposed yes. to be creepy, and so it pays off big time in the end because he gets that same creepy smile, but he's yeah. naked in the dark. Like, yeah. Yeah, very disturbing. So after the funeral, uh, Steve gets a call when they're at home, and uh, you can tell that something is going on. He says something about desecrated. Yeah, he's like, "What do you mean desecrated? Yeah. Like some like something's happened to her mother's." Grave. Yeah, and so and so yeah, it, it's from the funeral home, and and so Annie's like, "Hey, who's that? What's that?" And he's he says like something like, "Oh, nothing. It's a business." business thing he just totally writes it off but you know that something's happened at the gravesite yeah which is obviously very weird he's like she was just put in the ground a few days ago or a week ago like and well, you want to do while it's fresh it's easier to dig up ah there you go the soil has not hardened yet i mean it's gross but it's true that's <laughs> how i do all my desecration yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. um and so it so annie goes into her mother's room and and this is this is one of the things i think this they put this scene in here for a reason. She goes through her mother's belongings. She's going through boxes. You know, it says mom's stuff or whatever on the box. And one of the things that she pulls out is a book of, it says like spirituality or spiritualism. And it has a note on it. And it says, you know, I'm sorry for what ha- I don't remember. Then you'll have to tell me. Maybe you remember. But she apologized. She's like, I'm sorry for what happened or what will happen. But in the end, it will be for, worth it. It'll right? be worth it. Yeah. yeah. And so, but if Annie didn't, if she wasn't close to her mother and she saw this book with this note, I would think that a normal person that had no idea about her weird going ons would look through it. Right. Yeah. She doesn't look at the book and she does later on and it has very important plot points for what is going to happen. Like underlined highlighted plot points. And so I, I don't think that's a, a mistake or a goof or anything or bad writing. I think that Annie was familiar with her mom's nuttiness. I think that's part of why she would not let her mom near Peter, the son. Yeah. I think that she didn't look at it because she knew. Maybe not to what extent, but I do think she knew that she was into some weird stuff. Otherwise, why didn't she open that book? Yeah, I think I, I took it as she was like she she knew what her mom was into, but she was dismissive of it. Like yeah. She didn't think it. She's crazy, but she's not killing people and, and it doesn't work yeah exactly like it's it's this is looney tunes but it doesn't work yeah so but i think that's a major clue at least that's how i took it was that she saw the spirituality with the weird note on it but put it right back and threw it in the box like very yeah. much like oh and close like it up. Eh, more of this bs yeah, yeah so i do think that she knew and and uh i do think that this plays into her uh her sleepwalking her weird you know i think that the sleepwalking is a subconscious um, decision by by her you know her mind trying to save her family or help her family because we find out that she does some really intense crazy sleepwalking is that one time when Charlie was very young and, and Peter obviously was younger uh, they woke up and she was standing over both of them doused in kerosene with a lit match and so I don't think that and then she's like of course they call that uh, they call that maneuver the Daffy Duck <laughs> <laughs> so you know the the thing is is that obviously there's a resentment and they go into it in the movie about why peter is is mad at his mom he's never forgiven her you know and she of course writes it off as i would never hurt my children that was just sleepwalking i had no control but i think her in her subconscious she knew what the grandmother was into what what ellen was into and she would rather them die than than take be taken possession of by 
payment. That's so. So I think, yeah. and, and that, so that plays into her knowing what the rituals and knowing the craziness, um, because we're going to find out later on that that uh, they're not. The, she's not the first one to attempt or uh, or to be successful in killing themselves in this family in this lineage. Um, that her father and her brother yeah. both died of odd circumstances. So anyway, um, so I guess this will take us to the loss support group for the first time. So she goes there uh, and she says that she, she's going because it was helpful when the brother died um, and it helped get her through that. So after the loss of her mother, she goes there and this is another amazing scene. It's basically just a monologue of Tony Collette where again, I saw not an actor on the screen, but it felt like this was a real person telling a real story about her family. The way she, she she does two things. She tries to play it off like it doesn't bother her that much, and she wasn't that close to her family. It was one of those things like, you know, I'm not upset. It doesn't matter. And then someone breaks down. Like, you know, it does. And I really like how she plays it. She's talking about her family and all this death, but she starts speeding up in her delivery, and she's yeah. obviously getting emotional about it. Um, so I really, really liked this performance. But what she ends up saying is that her, her father... Uh, ended up starving himself to death which yep. is very odd she says yeah. you know that it was about as whatever enjoyable as it sounds or you know um so the father starved himself to death and the brother hung himself and 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 you're led to believe that he was schizophrenic or something because she he, she said the brother believed that the mom was trying to put people inside of him yeah which again on first viewing that sounds like oh right. crazy mental illness stuff. right the mother was trying to put people inside of him which is exactly what the mother was trying <laughs> right? to do. Yeah. yeah. So I'm led to believe. So if you're a skeptic, and I talked to Brad about this before the recording, this movie is two different movies for two different types of people. If you're a believer in the occult or the spiritual or that you know weird things like this can happen, then you believe the mom was into this real satanic like in this world like it exists and this is this real crazy stuff going on. And if you're a non-believer, if if you're a skeptic then you're like, oh, this was mental illness right. the whole time. And yeah. I love that this movie can can be so polarizing. And I, I have a hard time chalking up to mental illness just because as a film goer, regardless of what you feel about this stuff in real life, in real life I, I don't believe sure. in this stuff, but, but that you see things happen in the, the movie. The clues are all there. Right. Well, you see, I mean, she's crawling on the ceiling and stuff later yeah. in the film. So, like, clearly there's something. Not if the people are mental and imagining that. But if they're yeah, all. Like, it's if it's hereditary, and they all have mental. Yeah, illness. but I don't feel like the movie ever necessarily. I I always feel like the movie stays kind of uh, third person. Like yeah. it, like I never really feel like it. It goes into a character's point of view. So I I don't feel like we were witnessing those from a from from a character's that's, point of view. I, that's where I'm torn. I, because after seeing the trailer in February and her making the the miniatures and stuff, I felt like that was going to be a big play as to like what was going on in her mind. So like throughout the movie, um, in the back of my mind, I was trying to apply this to like a deep dive into mental illness. Right. But like you said, I, I keep poking holes in it because like everything that plays out in the movie doesn't really give you the satisfaction of believing the mental ir- illness side right. of it. But I like, Gabriel, I, be, go, go oh. no, I, I think we're all on the same page and I've read interviews with the director. Um, he clearly, 
explains a lot of this with it's the cult. The cult is manipulating this family the whole time. So the real answer from the writer and director is that all the cult stuff is real. The mental okay. illness is the red herring. And, and right. it okay. really is this satanic, spiritual, whatever stuff going on. And so I'm I'm on board. We all think yeah. the same way. But I yeah. like that you can argue. Right. If you don't listen to the director and you just watch the movie and you want to interpret it so... I really like that there's an argument that this is all mental illness and the, the hereditary part of it is mental illness passed on from the grandmother to the mother to the son and that all this stuff they're exper- experiencing is extreme mental illness. Yeah. And and I just like that it, it, it um, brings up that discussion. Right. But yeah, I, I 100% believe that what was really happening yeah. was... Um, you know, they might think they're crazy or someone else might think, you know... Because that's, that's the, the reasonable conclusion yeah. to come to that like you know like that's Occam's razor the the simplest answer yeah. is there's mental illness but that's not what's going on back to the miniatures we I don't think we've actually not addressed yet. the fact that the the mom is a, a successful artist that makes these kind of really detailed yeah. tiny dio- dioramas we know she's successful because a gallery a gallery is calling like, her you have an opening coming up we yeah. need to see what you're doing so, so clearly she's she's making a living enough for, doing yeah. it yeah, yeah. But uh, I think all those miniatures were um, were basically flashbacks. Those are scenes that have happened to her. Yeah, yeah. You, it's like a, I, I said in my review. It's like a coping me- mechanism for her because she recreates like uh, disturbing moments disturb- of her life because yeah. they're the, the ones one, that we see. Yeah, the, the one. Yeah, the ones we see. I mean, obviously she recreates a scene that is coming up in the film that's very disturbing but then yeah. you also see a scene where it looks like the grandmother is, trying a, is attempting to breastfeed her baby yeah. her baby and then you see another scene where it looks like the grandmother is watching her and her husband have sex yeah, yeah. and so at least that's how it i interpret to, it yeah, yeah. To yeah. Standing in the, the child yeah. yeah and so like clearly like they were very controlled by this woman i but i can never what what it doesn't explain is why they tolerated the behavior. They're adults, yeah. just leave. Yeah. You know? But but so and this is why we have to spoil it all up front so that we can talk about these things, which I think are I think this movie is so clever and so well written. Yeah. And so what we believe in the end and what we find out is that whatever this ritual is that this cult does that revolves around Pyman, it has to do with lineage and has to do with this, this demon. And um, at the end of the movie, Ellen is, there's a picture of her and she's referred to as queen Lee, which Lee is her maiden name, I believe. And so, so she is a queen and Pyman is this King. And so it all has to do with family and being passed down. And that's why, the, all this stuff is happening to this family because they need to find a vessel, a, a, a host body for this demon of hell, Pyman. And so what I really like was showing these little things and these clues that I'm sure Brad, I, I read about it a lot. I didn't see it a second time, but going back and watching it, as you saw all those miniatures and you know what they talk about later in the movie, yeah. they are very big clues. So in in the movie, she talks to Charlie or she mentions that like that the mom would not let Annie feed her own baby. Ellen fed her baby. Like she, she wanted to be the one to do that. Right. And then you see in the miniature that like the mom is holding out her, her breast, the grandma's holding out the breast over the, the mom with the baby. And so you see these things and I am led to believe that that has to do with the purity of like, you know, Ellen's obviously in this cult. She believes in these things and she wants to make sure that the child is, properly you know ready to accept this demon 
yeah. being or whatnot. Um, and and uh, the mom, because of my belief, is that she knew the crazy stuff that grandma was into. It wasn't just that she was she didn't get along with her. Like I think she knew about this craziness. And Annie would not let Ellen anywhere near Peter when he was born. Yeah. And so they explain in the movie that this demon Pyman, he is supposed to have a male body. And so I think that Annie specifically kept Peter away because he was a male. Right. And also the father starved himself to death. I think Ellen tried to get the father to take Pyman's spirit, starved himself to death rather than be possessed by Pyman. The son killed himself because he even says the mom was trying to put people in himself. He hung himself. And, and, and so Peter was the next in line as a male vessel. Um, and so she didn't let Ellen anywhere near Peter. And then, Charlie was born and later on in the movie we see uh, that the mom crochets these pillows or these welcome mats with names on them one of the names was Peter the son the other name was Charles the daughter's name is Charlie but she doesn't put Charlie she puts Charles so clearly the mom as she's over looking at them have sex you know she's whatever my guess is she is doing an enchantment you know trying to cast a spell right. she was trying to get them to have based a on that diorama to have a boy and she was trying to will and and magic her way into this baby being charles and it ended up being charlie and i think the mom just kind of did the best with what she had she's like well the body's supposed to be male but like this is my last shot to right get, to get Pyman because in this she because the the uh the the uh the granddaughter charlie yeah was very enamored of the grandmother like mm-hmm. they had a very close relationship she even says after she was going to take care of me now yeah well so i'm you know so clearly like the the clearly charlie did was not skeeved out by the grandma not at all and and that is such a weird line when when charlie's talking uh she is it is that after she goes and tries to visit or like to bring the head of the bird to the grandma and the mom catches her and then she's like i want grandma who's going to take care of me when it's right after the funeral yeah the, oh, the it's bird right thing okay, after okay. the because well because it opens with the grandma dead because yeah. the first thing you see is the obituary yeah, on yeah. the screen yeah so so yeah she says that line and it's really creepy that her daughter would say who's going to take care of me when you die because generally by the time, if everything goes according to plan, when a parent dies, you're an adult. You take care of yourself, right? right. And so that's pretty creepy foreshadowing that she's telling her mom, who's going to take care of me as in I'm still going to be a child, basically, and you're going to die. Who's going to take care of me when you die? Right. I thought that was a really weird kind of creepy. It's also foreshadowing when she decapitates a bird. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah. I think this actress, this new actress, I mean, I, I think this is maybe the second thing she's ever done in her first film. Um, yeah, she originated the role of Matilda on Broadway. Okay, yeah. So she has a very... Her and like four... As kids, you swap they got around. A, they got to rotate, so there was like four actresses, but she was one of them. Yeah, I mean, this Millie Shapiro, she has a very uh, unique look yes. to her, right? And so when we think of famous kids in horror movies i mean you think of things like the shining with the the twins the creepy yeah. twins and and so with, and they definitely they play up if you see pictures of her she's yes. not as odd looking yes. as she is in this movie they play up aspects of her features and to and play down other aspects sure. to make her look very disconcerting at yeah times. exactly yeah. so i i think she does a great job in this movie and and just her kind of uh her zoned out look you know she's very just you know she doesn't she just has an, an off-putting personality to where you're like something's up with this kid right and they do that on purpose and this performance is and it's great. a great no pun intended head fake because 
I thought the, it was going to revolve around her. Sure. So, you know, when they ended up taking her out, I was just like, half an hour into the movie. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, that's not where I thought we were headed. <laughs> it's it's great. And I mean, there's posters. Um, I mean, she's on the poster with them. And one of the creepiest posters, I think it may have been Australian or I, I don't think it was the American poster. But one of the main posters for this movie is the mom. And the daughter both on it, and it's like their heads can emerge into one. Right, it's a really the creepy... trailer does something really neat Do like that too. At the very, yeah. the very last beat of the trailer, it flashes from the daughter to to Tony. Collette, okay, like in this just like smooth transition, like kind of like how they do in the movie with the with the scenes of like the house where it goes from night to day and just like a snap of a finger. Yeah, it's so really... I mean, a twenty four is masterful. A twenty four in the they're, last year, they're crushing it. Right has now. become my favorite studio. Yeah, I mean, they are amazing. But they're Lady Bird. Killing of a Sacred Deer. Um, they're, I mean, they've done so many of these art house indie movies that are just amazing. Um, uh, the Disaster they did, Artist. They which did had Moonlight, a great, right? Best Picture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they, they are crushing it. So um, I know it won Best Picture. I think that's the weakest of the films yeah. we just listed. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I, I agree. Yeah. Un- unfortunately, but anyway, um, they are they are killing it. And one of the things that they're so good at is marketing. A twenty four's marketing, yeah. is amazing. And so but, I think yeah. that's that's the reason why this movie is so surprising because you think they play it up like it's going to be the mother and the daughter and that's the heredity part yeah. is it's like something's going on in this right. bloodline between them and I posted that trailer and the League of Show Shares back in fair because when I saw it yeah. just for the first time I was like what is this I remember that and you this told me like I'm looking out for amazing. this amazing yeah so yeah really really good but yeah I like her performance a lot and she is very disconcerting because she's at the funeral and her grandmother's dead but there's no emotion on her face she's eating a candy bar and looking over the dead body like she just nothing phases this child death does not phase the child and that's the first moment where you're that's just really weird and then yeah this other thing that she does is this clicking noise this mouth clicking noise yeah it was so irritating because there was oh did you have them at your theater yeah some asshole in the theater kept going and it's like I'm like, oh, you're such a dick. Yeah, yeah. because it has a very impactful, exactly, yeah, mo- different moments in the movie, and so when people are doing it, it throws you off because it's like, no. And so I believe I, in my research, I didn't find that like this demon does that noise or anything. I definitely think it's so you can follow that that it was Charlie in the beginning, and now the same yeah. entity is in a different body. Right. So that click is to let you know that it's the same. The way thing. they use it it causes even kind of jump scares, you know, throughout the movie right. where it just, it's very disturbing. Incredible. I'm glad the first time I saw it only had like 12 people <laughs> in the theater, like a private because yeah. like, it's so effective how they use that sound in, in situations where you're not expecting it. And then you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, we cut to school. So we see the kids going to school. Uh, Peter is, you know, just kind of, just, you know, sleepwalking through class and uh, he's getting text messages like, do you want to go smoke or something? So he's, you know, just your typical teenager. Uh, he ends up getting invited to a party. Uh, and this is this is the moment that had me question, like, I just knew this was a bad idea. Right. Like yeah. before I saw the movie and it's like, yeah, I'm going to go to this teenage party. Uh, clearly, there's going to be drugs, alcohol, sex involved, because I think the text message he gets is bring your dick. The the message. Oh on, yeah, yeah, it does. The yeah, text message is yeah, and bring your dick. So it's like clearly there's going to be some crazy stuff going on here. Not I, the mom would know, but it's like your thoughts of well, this is yeah, a teenage like, party is like we're going to try and get laid at this party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and and so and the girl he likes is at this party. Is, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, do you think that girl had something to do with the cult? Because she was very odd like very quiet very scary almost like charlie was i question if she was i tend to think no just okay. because if she was part of the cult it that would be the easiest way to draw him in 
Yeah. Here's some, you know, what I mean, what does a teenage boy want more than a teenage girl? Or right. at least, you know, 95%-ish See, of the teenage boys, yeah. you know. Aside from her, her, you know, her body language when we see her, it also, because of what happens at this party, see, I think this was orchestrated. I think the nut allergy is a red herring. That's my theory. Because later on, after Charlie has her allergic reaction, Peter is smoking weed under the bleachers and has the same reaction. And they never mentioned him being allergic to nuts. And there were no nuts. Right. They're smoking weed. But he says, my throat's closing. I can't breathe. That's the same thing that happened to Charlie. So I think the nut allergy was a red herring and that the cult, through their orchestration of, of these events, I think were making her think that she had an allergy or making the family think she was allergic to nuts to cause this whole series of events, which we'll get to it now. Yeah. Charlie ends up dying because of the events of this party. So the mom, I just, I, and I, and I know the director has alluded to the fact that the death of Charlie is staged straight up said that it is, but I, I just like to, and I, I, I like this movie. Like, yeah, I, yeah. so I'm, I'm, but I, to me, I just, that seems like a bridge too far because her because her death is so convoluted. Yeah, sure. I didn't think about it. So you said about the girl being part of the cult, but she almost has to be the fact that I, I don't know why Tony Collette would push Charlie to go other than she thought it was just a harmless school barbecue. Right. Yeah. But so. Well, first of all, as a parent, how naive do you have to be? I mean, why we? I mean, the age difference is too great. Thir- like, yeah. I wouldn't send a thir- seventeen or eighteen. I wouldn't yeah. send a thirteen-year-old to a party that or, has seventeen-year-olds yeah, at it. Yeah, like that's exactly. that's just wildly inappropriate. And I get that the moms kind of like got him, like aha, because basically he just has to borrow the car because he's going to this quote-unquote harmless school barbecue. Clearly, it's not. But the mom's like, oh, well, if it's just a school barbecue, then you can bring your sister. But it's like, that's not good parenting because just being right or like, aha, I got you, bring your sister, doesn't mean it's any less risky for the daughter. Yeah. Like, I think that was a very, very bad parenting move. Yeah. It's, it, what, what I don't get is what's coming up. Um, and I realized this the second time as I forgot about it the first time was, okay, so the nut allergy happens. And of course, he's rushing her back home or to the hospital, mm-hmm. wherever he's going. But the second While time... While they're upstairs smoking weed, he tells Charlie to go get a piece of cake. Yeah. And you clearly see they're putting nuts, like pecans or whatever, into the batter of the cake. Yep. Which I believe is the red herring again. But again, also, what kid... I get not having your EpiPen at the funeral one time. If you're deathly allergic to nuts, like... Does this kid own an EpiPen? See, I think it makes more sense for the EpiPen to not be at the party than it does to not be at the funeral. Because a mom would just have an EpiPen in her purse. All the time, yeah. The dad would probably always have one in his glove compartment. So, like, I think that's... Honestly, even again, I'm ripping on the movie even though I said I liked it, but, like, I... I feel like that was a lazy piece of dialogue. They wanted to establish that she had a nut allergy and an EpiPen, and the easy way to do it was, did you remember the EpiPen? But then the answer should have been yes. Yeah. The, I want, the answer shouldn't have been no. Losing it, not bringing it twice in a row is where right. I get it. It should have been one time. Correct. But because at the party, it makes sense that like the mom's focused on the party and him borrowing the car and she's mad and the son doesn't want to take her and he's mad and he's just like getting the goddamn car and yeah. like nobody thinks about yeah. the EpiPen. Like, to it me, totally makes sense. That, in that it makes situation. total sense what, that the EpiPen's not at the party. What doesn't make sense to me though, what's coming up, is since we, the, the director has established, as you said, that every the cult's involved in. Mm-hmm everything here why was that pyman symbol on the light post that she hits and like how could they stage that to where they put something in the road where <laughs> they know she's going to be hanging outside the window and running into well, that I, pole I, 
I will say this. I let me let me take something back. Then I sure. forgot that the Pyman symbol mm-hmm. was on the right. lamppost. Yeah. So maybe it's, it was some sort of enchanted. incantation yeah, I, of the you know they prayed to the spirit of Rube mm-hmm. Goldberg and they you know and, and because the way she dies is so like is she ridic- gets the nut allergy. There's no EpiPen. They have to race down this desert highway and then she has they, to be on the right side of the road. She's got to be. She's got to be on, like hanging out the right side of the car and then he has he's, to swerve right around the deer. He's going to swerve to miss the killing of a sacred deer and then and then uh and then she gets you know her head literally knocked off her body from a telephone pole as she's hanging out like i mean this is like like this is like if wily coyote joined a satanic cult this is how she would die so they're even on a desert highway yeah so you're saying that okay i guess it makes more sense in the fact that if everything was uh, incantation like you said from one of those spell books like these are how the events are going to play out because the second time I forgot after the first screening that the second time they have clearly that symbol on the light post and I'm like they couldn't have imagined that to play out that way without some kind of uh, outside assistance yeah, right. yeah, but, and that's why I forgive it I get that it's crazy but we're also talking about a movie where they do well, incantations they well, bring back spirits so okay. like the, I think the, the whole fact that the symbols on the light yeah. pole makes me feel differently yeah. about the scene like that okay. makes me feel like even if they didn't know how it would play out that they did that there was something that they that, that, s- they that symbol drew up, right. the, the okay. body so because right. I also feel like they needed her to get decapitated yeah it wasn't just yeah. she needed to die they needed to decapitate it's all about so again so now we'll jump to the end and when when annie eventually opens up the spirituality book and all the highlighted stuff i mean they give you the answers right here but pyman this demon is holding three heads so pyman was a fan of beheadings and that was all part of the ritual he's also holding three heads the grandma annie and which i'm sorry we get to and then charlie yeah and i mean yeah but we're spoiling it so you've seen it or don't care but so you've got three heads going back to the title of heredity grandma her daughter, grandma, mother, and then granddaughter, her daughter. It's so also three, three generations. Yeah, so it's yeah. three generations of females, right? And so, and it's three heads, just like Pyman's holding. If it didn't go this route, and if if the mother, if the grandmother would have been successful, you have her husband, so you have the grandfather, then you have the, the son. their son, right? Yep. Annie's brother, and then Peter would be the third in the lineage, her son, right? So you so you would have had three males that died in the family. So I really like how you know when you dig a little bit deeper, it's like the way it plays out is with the three generations of women, but it was going to be three generations of men. So like right. very clearly, you can draw the connection between the generations and the gender, and and I really yeah. like that. So it's like when it failed, I like the fact that satanic cults are responding to the Me Too movement as well. <laughs> I it doesn't have to be men. Let's right, make right, it right. Yeah, yeah, like it's like, uh, why are we limiting ourselves to men <laughs> for satanic cults? Yeah. So getting past this, and again, I don't have a problem with it because I do believe it was all part of the the cult's uh, influence, right? Sure. Um, I do believe in any other movie. I mean, it, it is crazy that it would work out, but when you're talking about a higher power or lower power, lower however power, you want yeah. it, yeah, <laughs> when you're talking about that kind of influence where they're doing all this stuff, it's like, yeah, they willed it to be. They did their seance and it happened, right? I, again, I had forgotten that the symbol yeah. was on the light post. That, that, that definitely makes me feel differently yeah. about how this plays out as yeah. convoluted okay. as it was. Because I was just like, how is this a plan? Yeah. Like, and so now my other question was, well, obviously at this teenage 
high school party, there's no adults, right? And that's why I think maybe the girl, the love interest, right, being so that she was staring off. She brought the cake. She didn't talk. She didn't, you know, I, I just kind of feel like, well, maybe she was in on it. Right. And she was the influence there that helped. But if the daughter doesn't have a nub allergy, you didn't need the cake. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a that's why I think it's a red hair. I think it's yeah. just a plot device. Maybe she does, but it wasn't. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, but this scene is so well executed. So yeah. now now yeah. getting to what actually happens. Yeah. So, of course, because of what you think is the nut allergy, whatever caused it, uh, Charlie's throat started to close. She says she can't breathe. The brother, meanwhile, is up smoking weed with the girl and, her, and their friends. And so he immediately rushes her to the car and they're driving, you know, super fast along these dark roads to the hospital. And what happens when her throat starts closing, like we mentioned, she, she sticks her head out the window to breathe, which obviously, you know, that's not going to end well. Um, the way it's filmed, the way the performance is, um, it is so awesome. And then the best part is that you don't see it. it yeah. The camera focuses yes. on the brother, Peter. I mean, you see her sticking her head out the window. You see a deer in the middle of the road and you see a pole. But then you see his face, and you just yeah. hear yeah. the head thunk, and you get it from you know. Yeah, this sound mixing so good in this movie. Yeah. You know exactly what happened. Someone just didn't get hurt. Like you hear the head snapping and off and clunking. You know, it's, they focus on him for so long. Like what he realizes. Like you're feeling for him. What he yeah. realizes, he just did. And he's or in what shock. just happened. He's in shock. He's portraying it brilliantly, and he starts to look in the rearview mirror. And they cut away. But you like, don't yeah. ever see it. Yeah, he's very careful it. about not showing you yet, you know, yeah. what happened. That was the best part about it was yeah. that it was just like you're playing out everything in your head of what it's going to yes. look like and, and seeing it on his face because he knows he hasn't looked yet yeah. either. But like but I you, was enthralled at this moment. I was yeah. like, oh, my God. Everybody was. This was yeah. an amazing scene. And, and just like you said, see, I think the problem that you get with movies, especially horror movies, is that you're going to have, you're going to have either practical makeup and effects, or you're going to have CG and someone's going to say, Oh, that didn't look very realistic. That looked fake. That didn't look real. Blah, blah, blah. Hopefully you don't know what this would realistically look like. Right. (laughs) But of course you still can, you but basically you can still say that looks fake. That's a fake body. Right. So what you do when you focus on him and if it's an amazing actor that can that can pull this off, which he does yeah. masterfully, but when you hear it, you know what's happening and you can imagine it happening. Yeah. So there's no one that can say that looked fake because you don't see it. Yeah. But clearly you know what happens and you can imagine in your in your head, which is still attached, what how it went down and what it looked like and everything. And it's, it, I think it was such yeah. a smart And it idea. goes longer than the car too because the following two minutes or so he's you know in shock before the car finally just takes off again and he slowly walks into the house and slowly walks into bed and just lays there eyes wide open because who goes to sleep after that you know he's basically catatonic catatonic can walk to the bed and drive home but i mean he i love it the performance is great the camera work is great here uh i i I loved every part of this this was such an amazing way to pull this off and so this ari aster is the director this is his first film he wrote and directed this movie. I mean, I think this you think guy, he's a veteran. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, I this guy's gonna. They kind of recreate Hotel California. If you think of the opening lines of Hotel California on a dark desert highway, <laughs> cool wind in my hair, the warm smell of Kalidas, which is weed, rising up through the air. My head grew heavy and my sight grew dim. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I have not heard that theory. Yeah, that's pretty good. You can check out any time you like, but you can't leave. Uh, ah. I like it. It's brilliant. So, so yeah, this is where I mean, like you're waiting if you're if you're looking for a scary movie, 
I think the only there's there's two moments that I can draw attention to in this movie. So right after the funeral, Annie's working in her workshop and she turns out the light and you see the grandmother standing there. It's yeah. very creepy. Yeah. But it's dark enough to where you have to you're rubbing your eyes right. like am I seeing something? It's it's so good. It's not like the oh this movie's too dark. It's like it's perfectly dark. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I definitely she's definitely there, but you question like is it? But she could also not be there be yeah. there you know i mean but that's yeah it's like is she there is annie seeing things but it's and annie are you okay yeah right yeah. that's are what i want okay, the whole movie i was yeah. like, i just wanted to ask her so she turns on the light switch and no one's there so you see that and then the only other moment which again i wouldn't classify as a jump scare there was no audio to freak you out with it but the bird hitting the window when yeah, oh, yeah that yeah. got me yeah like that's, that i knew there was a i remember there was a moment yeah. that i did like uh yeah, yeah. but that and that but was it it's the not bird. amped that's up not it's, my just, moment. it's just the bird hitting the thing and the sound of the bird doing it but they yeah. don't, it wasn't a f- uh, it wasn't like a fake moment where they you felt cheated. Like yeah. it was, yeah. it was. Yeah. You're into the movie, and something yeah. jars you. It was, it was earned. Exactly. Yeah. So, so this whole movie, they're they're building up the mystery be- be- behind the grandmother. You're getting all this family drama, the conflict, and and learning about the relationships. So you're getting to know these characters. But other than those two small moments, you don't get anything that's quote unquote scary or disturbing. Um, you know, other than just the build up. And if you're you know disturbed well, by that, there. There's there's a couple more, okay. but it's toward the end. We'll we'll, we'll cross that bridge. The end of the movie. There, yeah. Oh no, I'm talking about up until this. point. Oh, up until this point. I'm okay. Because yeah, 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 this yeah, point yeah. is where sure. okay. you're like, what is going to happen? Yeah. Is there going to be something quote unquote scary or creepy or whatever? Like, where is this going? Yeah. Okay. And, and you're right. This movie switches gears at this point. Again, it doesn't go full crazy until at the end. But at this moment, you're like, oh my gosh, this is nuts. Uh, it, it just yeah, it really like if you're waiting for something, this is the moment where it happens. Yeah. And, and really, this is where. It, it's like all their lives kind of start you know going downhill here so yeah he has this moment and they hold on him so long they they keep holding on him and then when he's in bed like clearly through the morning he has yeah. he has just been wide open awake like you said just staring off into nowhere uh, clearly in shock and you hear annie talking to the husband saying oh i'm gonna go out and get more paint yep or whatever for the project and you just hear you focus on him and you hear you know do 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 you know feet on the stairs opening the door going out to the car at that point the tension's still yeah. so high because nobody else knows yet no you know? And, and she discovers the body and just screaming, screaming. all this is all audio and all visualized in your mind yeah but you hear her discover charlie's body her decapitated body in the seat of the car and then and then that's the when the director scene, decides to show you yeah here's the aftermath of the highway with charlie's headland after there. all day of a you know of so a, not until tony uh tony uh annie it has discovered it in screaming which played into my my uh lineage theory other than uh over the satanic one yeah but uh not until annie saw the aftermath of the body did the director show us the head and yeah. i was like that you know there's the release that like the last yeah. two or three minutes and again, have led. If, if, if you saw if you saw the dead body in the rearview mirror if you saw it on the side of the road if you if, if you didn't have that tension that build off the payoff wouldn't be as great yeah. but you have like five to ten minutes i mean it felt like forever because it's so well done and so yeah. so terrifying but because of that buildup of not seeing it when you finally see the head on the ground with yeah. ants crawling all over it it's so disturbing, so creepy. I mean, and the face is like it's been hit at full speed by that pole. Yeah. So the mouth and and face the is tongue's all tongues like, hanging out. Oh, like, it's ugh. it's 
so well executed. Yeah, <laughs> the, the shot, literally the shot. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it is so disturbing. So this is the first. I mean, it's it took a while, but it, it earned it. This is the first time you see a grotesque or scary, horrifying type image. Yep, and and it is disturbing. Uh, and and then it cuts to the mom which I think is interesting foreshadowing for the end of the movie, but you see the mom kind of hitting the ground and curled up. The dad is trying to console her like in their bedroom oh, and yeah. she wants the daughter and she's banging on the ground yep. and hunched over. And we see that from an interesting mirrored perspective right. later I forgot on, about that. which is yeah. one of the best shots in the film. I love this. It, that happens at the end. But, but for right now you see her just, you know, the son's walking by and seeing the, the disturbed mom and she, she wants her daughter back. So obviously very, terrible terrible event um so obviously this uh, you know causes a rift between the sun you can tell there's a tension building that you know she obviously blames the sun for this happening and her daughter's dead you know and and this poor woman has gone through a lot of death obviously and and you see her she starts to break she's starting to really get down um but she 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 returns to the support group you know, sometime in the future. Uh, I don't know exactly how much time has passed, but she goes back and she pulls in and then she decides that she's going to try to leave. Like she can't do it. She can't go in there and face them with this new issue. And before she can leave, this woman stops her. She's, she's like, you know, she, she pulls her car around and there's a woman right there and she kind of, you know, puts her hands in the car and, 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 uh, this is where you see Ann Dowd who, I don't know if you watch Handmaid's Handmaid's Tale, Tale, but the leftovers. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen the leftovers yet, but yeah, she's great. And she, she kind of pulls her over and she's like, Hey, I'm sorry. I, I I saw you when you were here a few weeks back, you know, were you going to go inside? And, and she says, I'm so sorry about your, your father or brother or whatever. And then she ends up telling her, Oh no, it's, it's and my daughter died and yeah and she seems very sympathetic and as soon as this happened i was like this is too good to be true like this woman just because of all the creepy crazy stuff happening i'm like this is just too perfect that she's gonna try to help her out she's so sweet and so nice sure um but her performance and dad's performance is fantastic because she is you know for for everything that we see on screen she is sweet and she is trying to console annie but she's really like the neighbor in Rosemary's baby. I mean, yeah. she is Rick a higher Gordon. up in this. Yeah. She's yeah. a higher up in this cult and she is trying to orchestrate, orchestrate this whole thing from going down. So anyway, it's fantastic. So, she, so what she ends up doing, she has, she has, uh, Annie over to her apartment. And, uh, is this, is it the first time? Is this the time where she tells her about the grandson? Cause I know that's after the art store or whatever. Does she go over to the apartment anytime before? Or is it for the, the she, seance. She tells him about the grandson. At the tells car. Annie, at the car. The car. Yeah. She yeah. talks about how she, because her, well, her son and grandson died. That's how she gets kind of Annie's sympathy. Yeah. She yeah. gets her to listen. Which also makes you wonder if the, the dad killed the son, like murder-suicide, right. to avoid it yeah. happening. Yeah. I think know? when Annie first goes to Joan's apartment, they, they comment about the, the carpet or the, the rug, the welcome mat that her yeah. mom used to make things just mm-hmm. like it. And I think that whole sequence was mostly Annie just talking about where she's at now instead of with the group it's with it's with uh, okay. with Jones. so they have a conversation the first time yeah it, the crazy stuff doesn't happen yet. not yet okay. not yet okay so we're gonna see her again so yeah so she finds comfort in this quote-unquote friend uh the character's name is joan or Joni. um they talk about things uh, but uh this is where she she tells her about that scene we mentioned earlier about how she was sleepwalking and yeah. and and again just in your head without even picturing it you just can imagine the horrifying imagery of a child waking up and their mother just being there but not only that but you're covered in kerosene and your mother has a lit match like 
very, very disturbing imagery. And, you know, whether you are going to see it again, which we do see, uh, you know, kind of a, uh-huh. a fl- flashback, so to speak, of that or what that looked like is just terrifying her describing it. Um, but yeah, so the, the family, uh, I think then they go to the dinner table. Is this when they have that great scene where again, more just family drama, like, you know, this family's gone through a lot of terrible events and the, the son is in shock. The mother is, you know, dealing with the loss of the child. The dad is also, but like the dad senses a disconnect because Annie keeps saying that, you know, oh, she's going out to the movies and yet she's going to the support groups, going to talk to Joni. And so the dad feels that there's obviously some kind of a, a disconnect. And I also think the son, Peter, is still kind of being uh, kind of being a shithead, though, too, by yeah. by telling his dad, like, how good the meal is. I kind of got a sense that he never told his mother that like, yeah. it was kind of a snide remark. Like, really? oh, this is great. Cooking, a passive dad. aggressive. Yeah, moment. exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and again, the, she does tell us in this scene in this terrible, like, the, uh, again, amazing performance by all of them, but especially Tony Collette. But, you know, we, we realize that the son has never forgiven the mother for that sleepwalking incident. Right. Quote unquote sleepwalking, you know, um, which I believe was the subconscious trying to save the children. But, uh, you know, he's never forgiven her. The mother, on the other hand, uh, the son has never apologized or admitted, like said he's sorry sure. for the death of the daughter, which she says, you know, I would forgive you, but you, you can't even admit that you had, you know, that it was your fault at all. And it's just a great breakdown and, and traumatic uh, yelling. Great performance. Yeah, like. performance by Tony Collette. And then the son ends up saying, well, why was she at the party? Mom, yeah, like, what about yeah. you? What about you? And, oh, it's it's such a real-life conversation because you know, I mean, you've ha- we've all had arguments with our parents, yeah. and they may not be over this subject matter, but you've, you've had this conversation. You've had this yelling match and this blame game and trying to blame each other. And what a cutting remark right. when the mom is just finally she's built up and she's pouring out all this emotion and 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 especially revolving around the daughter's death and then the son basically turns around and says you know oh it's not my fault it's your fault think about it why was the daughter you know and oh it's it's terrible and she ends up walking away i was looking in that scene the second time for a a signal that like somebody from the colt was like watching like from that from the windows or something we didn't touch on earlier before uh, Peter went to the party or when he was in his room and he got the text that somebody was out. Maybe it was before the funeral early on in the movie. Yeah. Like he's looking out the window while he's smoking. So there's no smoke in the house, but then somebody's like in the tree and you can see their breath from the side yeah. of the screen. Like there's always, I, I was looking for more of that. Like somebody always watching the it. cult members are planted. This is why this yeah. movie warrants and deserves a second viewing. Not only because of all this dialogue, the things that we're telling you, we're spoiling it here, but the first time you don't catch it because you think it's throwaway dialogue. Right. You know, the, dad starves himself to death oh he, he obviously had some kind of disorder the the son thought it was he was crazy that mom's putting people in he's crazy those lines are the most i also important think ones, starving but. yourself to death is important because it's like they could they could do something to him to make sure he doesn't proactively kill himself yeah but you can't make somebody eat. Yeah, yeah. Short of hooking them up to an IV or something, but sure. But you can't make them eat, and so like it's like they say with 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 little kids, like that's there's two things they can control ultimately: what goes in, what goes out. Yeah. And and uh, and it just kind of feels like they were hip to the fact that he might try to kill himself, and so they were preventing every possible thing. 
but they could, they could make them eat. Yeah, that's how I interpret. Uh, yeah, it. that makes e- sense exactly. So there's so much. The words are so impactful when you know how things went down and what we're dealing with. And so the other thing, besides from the dialogue, is seeing these creepy cult members show up. So yeah. earlier in the movie, um, that bird that I mentioned that hit the window, uh, Charlie went downstairs and she found it like in a bush, and she ends up taking the scissors from the classroom and cutting the head off. Obviously, foreshadowing for all the beheading yeah. to come, you know. Uh, but she cuts it off, and then later on, when Charlie's at school and she's like in the just in the yard at recess or at lunch or whatever, you see just this random adult, just this weird lady waving and smiling from across the street. Yeah, and it's in the same spot that later on we're going to see Joni waving at. At Peter, Peter from yeah. across the street. Yeah. So clearly, I think that this was one of the cult members. I could not connect her. I don't remember seeing her in other parts. Maybe she is, and she might have been at the end in the dark. One yeah. Of the, you know, or ritual one of the people. Apparition. Like. Yeah. But the point is, these cult members are always around. They're always watching, and you know orchestrating these events for yep. this family. And so, yeah, it's it's and and we will find out later that it goes back years and years of planning. So anyway. Uh, where were we at now? Okay, so they have that big argument uh, at the the dinner table, or whatever. Um, Annie is at the store like the next day or later on. She's she's at like Art Mart or whatever, and she's trying to get supplies for her miniatures. Um, meanwhile, we find that the gallery keeps calling and and she's not answering. And obviously, with all this stuff going on, it's and she's not producing work. <laughs> no, she's not. Um, but but we also see her working on. A diorama of the death scene stage, the death scene of her daughter. Yeah, yeah. So, which is yeah. so bizarre. So yeah, it tells you again and backs up the fact that all these dioramas are historical events. They're not just like you know, oh, this lights you know, of fancy kind of looks like yeah. a house, but it's a little different and whatever. It's like no, she's creating. This is all about these, you know, main traumatizing events. Do we know what the schoolroom? What there was one I remember specifically. It looked I think like that a was the mom's room. funeral. I th- well, well there was a, there was a funeral where she was making the chair, like when she init- initially yeah. snaps the chair, right? But there's another one where it had like the little Lego like floor mats, and it looked kind of like like a school playroom or something. I think that was Charlie's school room. Was it? Maybe. Okay. okay. Because I know there's, there's a point in the movie where it. right after crazy stuff starts happening to Peter, like he gets possessed in class, and then she's then it cuts to Annie making a diorama with a room with a bunch of chairs and stuff, but I'm like that that's wasn't how his schoolroom set up. So I don't think yeah. it was that one, but I thought that coming right after the Peter scene, that's where I started to think like is she orchestrating are these dioramas enchanted? Is she not creating historical dioramas right. is she causing that's events? where i was gonna go with my theory that i'm pretty much dismissing yeah now, but, but that's yeah. what you're, you kind of wonder like is she without even knowing is she kind of orchestrating these things to happen but anyway so she's at the art star store getting stuff and she sees Joni putting things in her car and she walks up to her and and Joni seems really happy to see her and she basically is like hear me out i know this sounds crazy but i was able to communicate with my grandson through the through a medium, a spiritual medium, and you know, of course, Annie gives her that look like you're crazy. Which, right. You know, what else can you expect? She's like, I know, I know, I know, but it worked. It really worked. Please, just come try this out. Come. Given the the grief and everything that she's been through up until that point, like she still played that scene off really well. Yeah. I thought, like when she was explaining to it, she's just kind of smiling and turning she, her head. Yeah, like, she's got the yeah. smile on her face. It's like, <laughs> like you are so crazy. Right. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, and, and like you said, it's so true. It's like even though she's been through all this, and you'd feel like, oh, she wants nothing more than to have her daughter back and be with her. Still, that's like a step too far for someone right. that's not yeah. involved in this kind of a you know, lifestyle or belief, you know, you don't believe that Annie, obviously she's dismissive of her mother for what we think she knows 
that you know she was involved in this weird stuff like Annie obviously it doesn't have any part in that life right and doesn't want any part of it so of course she's going to be dismissive of it but uh, Joni convinces her to go back to her apartment and she shows her this this ritual um, she says a bunch of words she says put your hand on this glass but don't put any pressure on it and she ends up saying like you know to the grandson if you're here move the glass and it does and she looks under the table uh, this happens a couple times in this movie. You know, the skeptics, uh, right. Annie at first and then the husband later on. But they look under the table. There's nothing there. And then the glass just starts moving by itself. Yeah. And then there's a chalkboard. And the chalk picks itself up and says, you know, I, I love, love you, you, Grandma. Grammy, or yeah, whatever. Grammy. Yeah. And so, I mean, Annie is just blown away by this because it's like she doesn't believe in it. But how do you not? I mean, there's no tricks going on. Right. Um, and it's so good. Though. And again, I mean, I believe this was really happening because I do believe in this film world that all this, the cult stuff and spiritual stuff was happening. But for the skeptics, I mean, you could say that Annie is having a mental breakdown and she's imagining it all. You know, like, I mean, you could. Right. Yeah. You know, even later it, on, another one of my big plot points was that he, uh, her husband is writing an email at one point saying, you know, like, I think that my wife is in the middle of or about to have yeah. a mental breakdown, yeah. you know, to, to a physician. Because but. he is the embodiment of the skeptics. Like, yeah, so exactly. If you're the audience and you believe in this stuff, you're Annie. Because at this point, she's convinced by Joan that this is, stuff is real and this can happen. Yeah. And so you're either Annie believing that all this crazy stuff is real and that something supernatural is going on or you're their husband who is outside of the family line he's the only main character who's outside of the hereditary bloodline right and so he's an outsider he is he can't be coerced or he can be you know i guess he could be manipulated but he, he could join but, but he, he can't be possessed yeah. he's not in the the bloodline of this yeah. you know this family right so that's why they can't use him but but he's kind of a the skeptical non-believer in this whole thing I, I I believe. Yeah. No. I, no. No. no yeah. I don't think he's definitely. I don't think he's involved with the cult. But I I don't even know if I could call him a non-believer. I think he's just unaware. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's he's completely unaware of this supernatural element going yeah. on. Yeah. But he's him. skeptical when Annie tries to tell him. Though. Sure. I mean, it's just, yeah. he is the he is the you can you you side with him if you're a total skeptic, and you side yeah. with Annie if you're like this is crazy. But look, it's right there. There's the yeah. evidence. So anyway, uh, but she she ends up, you know, obviously Annie is like thrown off, but she's she's like, okay, uh, she's starting to believe like, okay, I can do this. I can talk to Charlie or communicate with her. And she ends up, uh, Joan gives her this piece of paper and she says, here's all the words. You have to read this. Take the candle. Here's the words. Use it. And I think that the cult no longer had access to this house is what I think was going on is that. They they couldn't get into the house anymore because the grandma wasn't the there. grandma wasn't there the granddaughter was there they had no conduit mm-hmm. so this was a way to to draw that element be, back because into we the see house. in the grandma's room when it was mysteriously open one day yeah. that that triangle yeah. was like under her bed yeah you know so like she was clearly practicing yeah something that's a good there. catch and yeah. I, I caught that too the triangle I'm like well that's obviously a seance or a ritual of some sort yeah. she had a triangle on the ground and uh, yeah and so but that room was locked up so they couldn't if get the, in her if the cult doesn't have access anymore though to the house but we clearly we know that they're watching it because we saw them looking through Peter's window yeah. right but does that mean that Annie was the one who dug up the body and put it I don't think so but, but you, you could who got it up there I don't know. We'll yeah. get to there. Yeah, but. I mean, I, I think they could have planted it. And I guess I meant they don't have access to the house from a supernatural standpoint. They could uh, break in. Yeah. 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 I mean, they yeah. could still break in. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think it was someone else. But, but yeah, so, uh, so she takes the, the instruction manual with the words, which we don't know. I mean, 
we don't know what this incantation is that she's reading. Um, we've also it's probably for the best. That yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to repeat it. I, yeah, you know, I, when I was when I was reading my research on Pyman, there was a paragraph about how to summon him. I didn't even read it I'm yeah. like, I, because if I, I'm like, I'm not going to read it out loud. But in my mind, I I read the first few words and I'm like, I'm not finishing oh, yeah, this paragraph. Right along, I'm not summoning this guy. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not even looking at, it, but it's there. Uh, so anyway, she takes the stuff, she takes the candle, she takes the instructions, and she says, just find an object. She said, for me, it was the chalkboard. Uh, you need to find an object that that uh, Charlie, w- you know, that was symbolic. Or, or Yeah, and know. she always had the sketch pad that she yeah. drew. And, and she said, and you need the family, right? You need yeah. all the family to be in the house, so... Anyway, that's your foreshadowing for what's going to happen later. Um, so this is where uh, Annie has the nightmare uh, about, um, let's see, she reveals that she purpose. Oh, yeah, this is the one where she's standing over Peter's body. This was so creepy because so Peter's in bed and he opens his eyes and the mom's just there, right? And she's And she talks about... And he and and they have this because this is like the first contact they've had after the dinner screaming match, yeah. and she's there and she's like and she she ends up saying I never wanted you, yeah. Because like yeah. he, he's cause like he why asked, do you hate me? Yeah, exactly. And she's like I never wanted you. I tried to to miscarry. I tried everything that I could. Yeah. And again, see, I think that on first viewing you're like oh she just didn't want to be a parent and the mom was crazy for whatever reason she didn't want to provide a vessel yeah but on second viewing it's yeah. like no she, she she it wasn't just i don't want to be a parent she's like i don't want th- to raise the the vessel for pyman like right. she she was trying to kill her male child because she knew the mom would use it and abuse it and and do this crazy stuff and so yeah it's a really hard to watch scene and again the performances are amazing but you're like this mother telling the child that she tried to abort him through any means necessary and like it's and and and, uh you know alex wolf's reactions to it it's so so good um but yeah just terrible terrible things there and we know that she she wanted to kill him and never wanted him um but yeah no matter what she tried she she couldn't do it and the mom was you know, helping her along and trying to ha- make her have the baby. Um, uh, so th- this is where she tries to do the seance. So she, all the kids are in the house. It's like the middle of the night. Uh, it says it's like one forty a.m. I think or whatever. Yeah. It's the bedside clock uh, next to the husband. She wakes up the husband and says, "Come here, I'm going to try something." And she wakes up the kid and she says, "I'm so sorry for what I said previously." Like let's come here. I'm going to try something. So she gathers them all together and uh, you know the the dad is like. This is where the dad is just like, this is crazy. Yeah. He's already dealt with all the, you know, all these terrible events and the disconnect between him and Annie. And now he's just like, this is nuts. Go back to bed. And, and the son's like, no, I'll stay. I'll stay. I'll try it. And so she wants them to all do the seance for Charlie. And so, yeah, the, she gets the notebook. The notebook is the item. The daughter, you always saw her drawing at the funeral. She's drawing at school. Um, so she takes that sketchbook. And uh, she tries to recreate the seance, but with Charlie. I was still a skeptic at this point because unlike at Joan's place, which we saw happening, uh, we didn't see Charlie writing in the book. Like we would expect to see right. after after the chalkboard at, at Joni's. But uh, yeah, the the husband looks under the desk because the glass moves. Right. And are under the table. They get the gas, glass. It's kind of funny because she, she drags the table over to them because they refuse to come around the table because, yeah. you know, he's just so, this is, this is crazy. And you, you are not well. Yeah. But, and then Charlie comes in and takes, or like, uh, Peter feels like the air shifting. Yeah. And then she ultimately ends up taking, uh, Annie's body and communicating through her and just freaking 
peter out like to where you you know his crying at that scene is where yeah. i got a lot of laughter in my theater i'm like that's not and so are we like to, to believe is this charlie or ellen taking over annie's well, she was saying mom so uh, like, her she, mom or I, charlie i, I assumed it was charlie talking to to annie but she didn't yeah, realize I, what was going on yeah okay. i took it as charlie kind of possessing her. okay so yeah. this was charlie this is like the seance like where the grandson was writing on the chalkboard this was charlie taking over the mom's body right yeah and okay. talking through her trying to talk to her and yeah. i don't think you know it was just confusing to everybody because like charlie couldn't talk to her mom because her mom was currently possessing charlie and yeah you know it would have been a really weird scene if they were communicating to each other through each other yeah but yeah, very, very creepy scene. And this is, yeah. you know, the tension's really ramping. And then the candle flares uh, up. Yeah, really the candle early. shoots out a fl- huge yeah. flame out of the candle. So, yeah, this is when stuff really is starting to get pretty yeah. nutty. Uh, so we see that sketchbook ends up on Charlie's bed, I believe. Yeah. And it's like just rapidly sketching drawings. And it's Peter. Yeah. And you it's know, flipping through drawings that were already made of just dead. I thought I heard it scratching. I thought it, I yeah. thought it was drawing rapidly and flipping pages. But. It, it, it might have. But, yeah, ultimately there were several pages... She even shows them at the seance that like I just did this before you came down here, and this she drew Peter. Like yeah. this is this is what she drew. Yeah, and it's Peter, and clearly he's got that mole, so you can tell it's yeah. him. he's got X's over, over his, his eyes. eyes. So, yeah, um, tons of crazy stuff, you know, in that book. Um, so she tries to get rid of this sketchbook, and as soon as the book catches on fire, her arm catches on fire. Yeah, and then she takes the sketchbook out and you know stomps on it, and the fire goes away on her arm. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty creepy scene and again from her perspective so i'm still skeptic like we're seeing it you know what she's envisioning you right know, it's not actually happening but yeah and so after all this crazy seance business goes down she goes and tries to find joan and we look down she sees the floor mat that says Joni, uh and then she she tries to knock on the door no one's there uh, we see a view from inside the apartment obviously it looks a lot more culty when when annie went to joan's apartment the first couple times it just looked like a normal house right but now there's like triangles and candles and ch- yeah. you know it just and curtains it, are draped around yeah the it looks very or, ritualistic yeah. and, and nutty with in a, there with a seance picture in the middle of the table and peter's yeah picture and then the, it's yeah. yeah and it's peter so we yeah. so now we're, we know that they've been manipulating peter um so the last thing that we see here is the when she leaves the apartment across the hall there's a surveillance camera yeah. looking at the doorway so obviously the cult is able to follow who's showing up and Okay, I thought that was going to be a red herring because I was like, okay, we're, there's going to be footage of her being there. Or something that now that we're talking about the cult being involved in everything, yeah. they're they're aware that she's been there to. Yep. Okay. So so this is awesome. where so this is where she goes back to the mother's belongings and she goes through them and finds that book that had the note on it and she opens it up and there's clearly specifically notes spelling out what's happening. You see Pyman. Yep. Uh, on top of a bunch of gold and you see him holding three heads and there's some underlying text that talks about a male vessel yep. uh, and, and, and getting riches uh, once you deliver him and all that stuff, all the crazy cult like stuff. Um, and so uh, we also see the photo album. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'm jumping too far ahead here, but no, you're this, fine. You, we s- <laughs> you see the photo album. Okay. Um, and so she sees all these rituals and so you see Ellen, and she's being showered with gold coins, and there's people all around her, and there's Joni yep. in the book, which is like, yep, so she's been manipulating this family. She knows this has been going on for a long, long time. Um, and so she starts freaking out, and I think this is really when things just fly off fly off the handle. Um, so she, she sees all this stuff. She sees all the rituals, um, and uh, she goes up to the attic, and th- I think, is this... Is this after? Remember, the dad comes home and she smashed all the dioramas. 
had, had that already happened? I think it had. Like, but yeah, she kind of had a meltdown and destroyed everything. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. so she destroys after all this stuff going on with her family. The dioramas are reminding her of all this craziness. She smashed them. The dad walks in the house, um, and it's after uh, Peter has has been possessed, and and the spirit had him slam his head into the desk, and he's all bloody and everything. He comes into the house and he says, "What is that smell?" And you see all the artwork and dioramas destroyed. I took it as like, oh, it's paints all around. Like, what is that smell? I took right. it as like, it's all yeah. her materials and it's a weird smell. But what we come to find out, Annie goes up into the attic and there's flies yeah. all around. And so what he was referencing was the bad smell upstairs. And uh, when she walks up there, you see the body of Ellen. It's Ellen, but yeah. it's what we assume to be. Yeah, Ellen. right. Yeah. yeah. With I yeah. don't know if there's like candles and lines around it or whatever, but clearly there's some weird stuff going on there. And I think she's beheaded at this point. She is. Too. Yeah. yeah. So there's our first uh, in the in the line there. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we should probably just get to the 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 climax yeah. at this point where she gets the husband down because she's trying to burn the book. But she doesn't want to catch on fire, so she's trying to get the husband to burn the book. Yeah. Well, she was also telling him that she would be the one to catch on fire. It yeah. has to be me, but yeah. like I can't throw it. I'm going to be the one. Yeah. Well, maybe she is trying to coerce him. Into well, it and, but point. I don't really get because then she like he he won't throw it in. And so finally, she grabs it out of his hands and throws it into the fire, and then he bursts into flames. Yeah. So I don't get why if it's linked to the person that threw it in the fire, she was still the one that threw it in the flames. So I don't think it is. I just think that all this stuff is cursed, and this cult is just like anyone that will try to stop them is going to be shot down. Yeah, but so. she's the one that threw it in the fire, not him. Yeah, I, I, and I, that's where I was. No, I, he that, was about to call the police. He says, "I'm calling the police." I think so. I think it just. He was just, oh, it wasn't they because were stopping the, him. Yeah. Gotcha. It wasn't because of just, the book it, no, at all. The oh, book, okay. I mean, the, well, I mean, the book set her on fire at first because it didn't want to be destroyed or whatnot because right. that was the link or whatnot. But then he's like, this is crazy. He thinks that she is the one that put the body up there because the husband went up and yeah, discovered the husband thinks the body. That she's like, she's that crazy that yeah. she went and dug up. You dug it up and put yeah. it here. I'm calling the police. And she's like, no, no, come on. I have to. We have to destroy this book. If you're not going to do it, I will. Yeah. And then she throws the book in and then it sets him on fire. And I think it was just to stop him. It's just gotcha. the book and the spirit, whatever. They're all going to stop. Yeah. Whoever will will keep Pyman from coming back. Yeah. And, and then, so then Peter wakes up and comes downstairs and sees chaos this and, and this is where the creepiest stuff yeah I mean, this is where it all goes insane i love the last 15 or 20 minutes yeah. of this movie uh but yeah it's just like what's going on and and he sees the dead body right he sees the burnt up body of the father there um next to the fire we should touch the, the imagery real quick i know we're trying we're short on time but the uh uh, when he wakes up, they they sit there. It's one of, another one of those scenes where they sit there in that frame for the longest time. He doesn't know what's going on. He just woke up. He's kind of delirious. But if you look really carefully up in the left hand corner of the screen, like she's up there in the in the corner, just lingering, like she is downstairs yeah. in front of the. Oh, I thought that was just downstairs. She no, was up there. She too. was in. Yeah, she, she was, was in the bedroom too. Oh, yeah, it was incredibly unnerving because yeah. it's just sitting there, and then you're watching him and what's going on, and then suddenly you realize. She's in there too. Like, wow. yeah. Like, See, I, I thought it was creepy it. downstairs, but I'm yeah. like, I didn't even. She's see hanging it. out up there like Spider Man. It's more noticeable downstairs. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah. there, the camera pans and you're like, he doesn't see it, but you're like, clearly she's up there. That's freaky. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so really disturbing imagery. This is where it really amps up. And this is the, just the most terrifying part of this whole last 15, 20 minutes. Uh, but yeah, she's up in the corner. My favorite scene, though, my favorite creepy imagery is when he's down there and he's facing the camera and she runs on the wall behind. Yeah. Him. Yeah, I thought that was such a cool, creepy imagery. But so yeah, she runs away. 
Um, and then, yeah, it's basically like what he runs up to the. She chases him up to up the, the attic, attic and, yeah. he, and then she's up there trying to cut off her own head with, Ugh. I guess, piano wire. Yeah. And then, uh, and but then, but she's banging her head on the attic door. This is another yeah, one of my favorite shots where yeah. she is upside down, floating on the ceiling and banging her head against the door, and then it just stops. Like yeah. the sound just stops. It's yeah. so creepy. Uh, but yeah, you hear a piano crash. Because at that point, do you think she's still trying to save him? Or I, think she's I don't to get think him. so. No, she's, I think she's okay. possessed. At She's, this point. yeah, gone. Okay. Yeah. So then you, you do hear a piano crash, and then later in the attic, you it's just focused on Peter, but you hear the sound. Yeah. And, and you're like, what is this going to be? You know it's going to be terrible, <laughs> but you're just like, what is it, a sawing kind of a sound? Oof. And he looks up, and Annie is just floating up on the ceiling cutting her yeah cutting her own head not off showing any wire. pain or anything yeah. whatsoever oh, it's so and disturbing. then at that point he jumps out the window yeah well and then you see the naked people right yeah, yeah there's like naked people all around like watching them yeah they watch this play out yeah. yeah yeah um and so yeah he ends up you know running away from them jumping out the window and uh and and just yeah just terrifying imagery of all these crazy yeah. naked people you see yeah. a light on in the treehouse they keep showing that's where charlie used to sleep so clearly yeah. there's some something ritualistic drawing them to this treehouse uh and so yeah he ends up going up to the treehouse and he sees all of them in this all these different cult people are like bowing down well and the, he follows the he follows the Annie's floating corpse headless corpse I love this up too, there yeah. and he, and he like, oh, I guess I'll follow the floating corpse. That, that seems logical. At that this was point. another thing that like but I it, I heard people were laughing at that. Kind like, of. I thought it was awesome. The floating yeah. corpse going up to that. I thought yeah, it was so yeah. weird. Do you think like is he alive or reanimated from that window fall? Like because we see that we didn't talk about it at all on. I think he's today. alive. I think they need him yeah. alive. But we yeah. see like that that that. Uh, light beam that's mm-hmm. just kind of they're following yeah. throughout the whole movie just kind of come you know yeah. I think whenever he's possessed whenever Pyman is possessing someone it's that light beam yeah because if they were just going to reanimate him they didn't need to go through all this if that's, he just true. Killed that's true him, yeah you yeah know? no definitely so yeah so throughout the movie you do see that but yeah so he ends up going to the attic he sees all the people bowing down doing this ritual and you see in a row you see all the bodies of his family you see Ellen's body headless you see Annie's body who's now headless yeah. uh, and you see Charlie and they're all bent down like and, and then Charlie's Charlie's head, head is on like a mannequin yeah. with a crown. With a crown, yeah. yeah. Foreshadowing one of her sketches that, in the book was the bird's head that yeah. she cut off earlier that had a crown on it, right? And now it's her head with the crown. That ringing that they have too, like that upbeat, like ritualistic ringing music mm-hmm. that they had, was haunting so as well creepy. too. Like I, I walked out of there both times, like that sound uh, yeah. just playing, like because yeah. it's it's like an uplifting, like ritualistic yeah. thing that was like. And so, so they, so this is where it's kind of, it gets kind of confusing and maybe you can shed some light. So Joan starts giving this exposition, like they don't just leave you with this creepy imagery. They end up spelling out exactly what's happening. And doesn't she say that it's Charlie, like Charlie, she your keeps, Pyman? Yeah. She keeps calling him Charlie. Yeah. So but he's both. He's yeah. Charlie and Pyman, right. you know? So, so what we're led to believe is that, you know, Charlie was the vessel for Pyman until they could get this male body because the mother wasn't involved. Yeah. In, yeah. So Charlie, I think the reason that she was kind of off was she was Pyman. Right. Right. And, and, and so now Charlie being Pyman, this incarnation of Pyman. Now Charlie is in his body and he's yeah. very staring off into space. Very much like Charlie was throughout the whole movie. Just not saying anything. Like he's And, and that he starts, he's like starts to cry and he's just like, cause he knows that there's, 
there's nothing he can do. Yeah. yeah. And he's gonna he's gonna sit there and watch himself do these horrible things as Pine. And, and there's also some interesting foreshadowing earlier in the film when they're talking in English class and they're having a discussion about like some I think it was it Shakespeare or Greek tragedy. Something and they yeah. and and they're like, Well, is it more tragic if the hero didn't have a choice and the tragedy's foisted upon him, or if the hero had a choice and chose to go down this path, and yeah. like the class kind of decides collectively that well, it's more tragic if he doesn't have a choice. Like yeah. he never could have escaped this, which I think is why the movie's called Hereditary because yeah. you can't escape heredity. Yeah. And and the, and that that's exactly what happens to 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 Peter is that yeah. he can't escape it. Like it was no matter it was always going to end like this yeah. for him. Yeah. And, and 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 what makes it so terrifying again is that. Aside from the stuff that we see, like floating bodies and all that, like this movie is so grounded in reality where you could completely believe that you don't even know what's going on at the house at the end of the street. There's a bunch of cult demon worshippers doing these things and killing people, believing that they can reincarnate a demon or whatnot. Like right. it's so terrifying because it's so real that these crazy people could be doing this and and it's it's haunting and and when the the good guy doesn't win in the end it's it's just that next level of disturbing that, right that like there's nothing he could have done and 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 he doesn't want it he's no. not you know he's just he now he's it's mixed metaphor but now this is his cross to bear yeah like yeah. he's you know so it was a good movie yeah i, I, I it. loved it i mean I, I had some minor quibbles but uh, but it, i dug it you know there's a yeah it, it, it's a movie that brings up a lot of questions but i also think that it it uh, sparks a lot of debate and, yeah. and uh theories and you just as we did you can work through a lot of the things where you think but why this why that but it's like if you really think about it there it, are explanations and yeah it's there it's subtle yeah. but it's like you you can piece it together you're not doing their work yeah. for them they they did it and they've layered it they, they just yeah. didn't spoon feed it to you and it's a great looking movie. It's I, I said to Brad off air that I'm like this is the movie Mother wanted to be. Yeah. yeah, I I really loved this movie and will watch it again. And it's one of those that like the the whole allegory thing in your face. Like I just yeah. I don't like that. But this is a movie that didn't give you a lot. It didn't spoon feed you anything. And you had to think about it and you had to put the puzzle pieces together. And the performances were so good. Yeah, I mean the one great thing about Mother is Jennifer Lawrence's performance. Absolutely. There's no doubt yeah. there. But this movie, everybody is on. It's yeah. so great. The writing's so clever. It looked great. It was a great-looking movie, like you mentioned. Um, so I really liked it. Uh, you know, I will say, if you like this movie, watch The Witch. It's a very similar slow build. You don't really it's know what's going on. a little slower. But, 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 uh, but I'd watch like, it with subtitles, too, because of the old English. Yeah, yeah definitely. But, but uh, yeah, but The Witch yeah. is great, But too. if you like this, it's, it's a very similar in its structure. Uh, and then going back further, I mean, Rosemary's Baby. I think yeah. it's, it, it, as soon as I got out of that movie, I'm like, Rosemary's grandson? Well, cause it, yeah, cause totally, because it ends with that kind of like, oh, no, this is all about Satan or a satanic yeah. entity. So And yeah. the cult was raised, trying to raise this child to end up being this demon. Right. I mean, it's a very similar thing with, uh, I mean, Joni was clearly like the neighbor's you know, right, absolutely. Kind of influence. So yeah. I, I saw a lot of inspiration, but I, yeah, that's a really good movie. And this is too. So yeah, I, I'm really happy when we get these horror movies that aren't just yeah. cheap, you know, right. It's, this is yeah. the way they, they should do it. Absolutely. So, well, I guess that's it for this one. Let's uh, go around the table and everybody can say where to find them. This is Brad. You can find me on reviewstl.com. This is Kevin. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. And I did want to add, I was invited on the Next Best Picture podcast, and they actually have an interview with Ari Aster, the director. Oh, So sweet. we go through things in not so much a spoilery fashion, but we hit a lot of the main points. We get a little into spoiler territory, and then listen to the director you know, talk about the film. So uh, definitely check that out, and you can follow them at Next Best Picture on Twitter. 
And this is Tom. You can follow me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. And you can find the show online at Facebook.com slash Real Spoilers or on Twitter at Real Spoilers. Don't forget, you can find us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash Real Spoilers. So uh, that's it for this one. Coming up next week, I, a major tonal shift. Uh, Incredibles 2, I'm <laughs> wow. pretty sure, is what we'll be doing next week. So <laughs> Can't wait for that one. That's it for this one. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, Guy Woodhouse is not the father. You're obviously the star of the class You make all the good times last You make all the bad hours pass And girl, you make me laugh Your voice is raspy, yeah Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.